welcome to Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want, a podcast where Jasmine just chats with people, basically. <laughs> and today I have my new friend, Doreen Calderon. Is that how you pronounce it? Beautifully, yeah. Yeah. Calderon. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, hi, Doreen. How are you? I'm well, Jasmine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. So everyone, I want you to know a story before we begin. And we're actually going to have a chat about this because it's. I think it was interesting that it actually showed up. So I've known Doreen for a little while in the sense that I've seen her, you know, in my classes because we both take classes with Michael. And so she talks, I talk, we see each other in that perspective. But last weekend, we actually did exercises together and we had a chat and I was like, oh, I want her on my show. So I asked her to come to the podcast and she said yes. And the story is this. So Doreen, I asked her to be my friend on Facebook, <laughs> not in life. I didn't say, Doreen, can you be my friend? No, on Facebook. <laughs> And um, she she accepted me. And as she accepted me on Messenger, I sent her a message and I said, I want you to come to my podcast. Will you come? Here's the link. And she booked, you know, an appointment for us to have a conversation. And um, now that we're friends, I see her in my newsfeed. You know, people who know Facebook know the newsfeed. And all of a sudden I see one of her posts and the post says this. Uh, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what it said, but it's basically season five of Riverdale is coming. I'm going to be on episode one and episode three. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> my brain went, oh, my God, she's on Riverdale. Oh, man. And I sent her a message right away. And I said, oh, shit, you're on Riverdale. My God, I wouldn't have. <laughs> ever asked you to be on my podcast if I would have known <laughs> and and like I'm having this insecure thinking about oh my god she's a star she's on tv she's on the CW for crying out loud I'm having all this thinking about it and I'm like how dare I ask her to come on my little podcast and Doreen replies what's the problem is there um is there a conflict with your show <laughs> I thought it was just the funniest response and I just saw in that moment the thinking the thinking that I had about okay well Doreen is much higher than me and I'm like this low and she can't come on my show because it's like beneath her (laughs) and I just like her response just busted that balloon and here she is and I looked at your IMDB um, yeah. file and I was like, you know what? I probably saw you in so many shows now that I know, you know, <laughs> like maybe she was familiar because of more than Michael. Maybe I've seen her on TV because I love TV. I watch a lot of it. <laughs> so that was happening. And, and you, do you have that thinking, Doreen? about um feeling less than uh somebody or being in somebody's presence about yeah or or maybe it like do you think you're like it's like beneath you to come to my show I I have to tell you yeah within the same week you were the first of two people who asked me to be on on a podcast and with you it was a no-brainer because you know how quickly I responded yes and the other guy, I still haven't responded to him yet. That was like 10 days ago. Okay. So when you talk about ben- beneath me yeah. or above me, it's, it's not about that for me. It's like, what's the right fit? Mm. Yeah, I get it. And honestly, you know, I go back and forth with, with this other guy because he's, he's not involved in our discussion of, of in you know, this type of inside out yeah. living. Um, he is somebody who is extremely cerebral. Um, he is very, he doesn't have 
much of a self-awareness with people, but he's super ass smart. For no apparent reason, this young man has written like seven books. I, I would never buy one of them. Um, <laughs> and he just kind of knows how to be a businessman. But he is, in my opinion, because I've worked with him before, clueless and so clueless on the human factor. Yeah. So the, the business part of me is like, oh, I should get on his podcast because then I'll have more people aware of who I am and my coaching. And the other one is, I don't know if I can talk to this guy. And I don't, you know, so that's where I'm coming from. And it's all thinking still, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about what you do. Because like, we're both we're both in this conversation of the inside out understanding and just understanding that, you know, it all comes from within. Like I was the one who was thinking that, you know, I had my thought of, okay, she can't do that. Like you're a big girl. You can, you know, take your own decisions. Right. <laughs> right. So you like, my understanding is you work specifically with actors. I do, but I, will work with non-actors as often as they will let me. Yeah. It's, I know that because of my um, television appearances and whatnot, that I have a certain amount of credibility in the acting world. Yeah. So people will go, of course, I'd like to be coached by Doreen. She knows what she's doing, yeah. but take me out of this world. And people will go, well, what kind of coach are you? And well, maybe, and <clears throat> so I do focus on actors because I know that language so well, but I love to work with everybody. Uh, just the other week, it was actually after you and I uh, experienced that weekend intensive. Yeah. And one of the participants, actually I reached out to her because she had had a dream that she shared. And I said, look, I interpreted, I interpret dreams and I'd love to expand on that if you're interested. So I did. And I always have fun doing it because for me, it is a tool. It is not the end. The interpretation is a tool. It's a jumping off point to get into that inside out discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was thrilled with everything that I discovered in her dream because she already had a good handle on it. So I was thrilled that I was able to give her something more. And uh, so she asked me, <clears throat> who do I work with? Do I do, how much do I charge? What is, you know, do I do dreams? Uh, she was specifically asking about leading me in a direction I hadn't thought about in a while. So while I've done dream interpretations for years, it's not been on a professional forefront. And I thought, huh, I should probably get back into that because it's a great tool. Yeah, and you like it. I, I do. So that's sort of a, a long, long ass answer of like, who do I mostly work with? <laughs> you, you mostly work with actors and now you're thinking of going in dream interpretation. <laughs> well, Again, it's just a tool. It's, it's kind of the same conversation. Yeah. For instance, um, I had a talk on Wednesday night called Imposter Syndrome. Yes. And I had two non-actors on, um, on board. I want to say in the audience, you know, in the Zoom audience, what is that? It is an and, audience. And, and one of them is a uh, registered nurse and had their really heartfelt experience of being an imposter. Um, like uh, somebody, somebody had come into the hospital and asking for directions and she gave them directions and this person stopped and turned to her and from the heart said, thank you for all you're doing being on the front line. And she walked away and, 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 the nurse felt like an imposter because had she been on the front line? Yeah, but she was mostly working a lot of detail 
on computers in the office. Um, but she had already been an RN for over 25 years. So she's been in the ER and um, oncology and pediatrics. She's been all over. But in that moment, she felt like an imposter. And it was a beautiful example. That's a funny word, beautiful example of how our experiences are universal. It's not just for one group of people. You asked earlier, do I ever get into that, you know, clusterfuck of thinking of, oh my God, I'm in the presence of somebody who's really important. As an actor, we have to get out of that almost immediately because if we're lucky enough, we're working with people who've been in the business a long time. My very first television gig in, in Los Angeles was on Frasier. And here I was working with Kelsey Grammer for an entire week. Even though I had a very small role on there, um, I was there in rehearsal, you know, on the stage, having lunch with him. And for me, see, I, as an actor, we're in these unique experiences where we don't have time to indulge in, oh my God, that's a famous actor. We don't have time. We have to snap right into, he's my peer, we're scene partners, and I better be professional so I don't get fired. <laughs> yeah. You know, Michael, Michael Neal brings it. Michael Neal is, is our, is our guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he says it a lot. You know, he says, if you, if you think you, you can't get out of your head, just look at all the actors around there. They have to do it in like a blink, you know, in a blink of a second and just get out of their heads and do what needs to be done. And so like that, that's what it reminded me as you were saying that. And, um, and I, you know, I, it's, I've never acted, don't, don't get me wrong, I've never acted. I was a singer. So Ooh. that's the closest I've been to acting. You know, I gotta emote the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I did have, I, I learned a lot in, in my singing career where, you know, I had a job and I was off stage and I was like pissed off at whatever it was. Well, what I got on stage, I had to sing, you know, and it had to sound good. And when I was angry, it didn't sound good. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you point to something that is universal and that is, and that if there is a solution to our thinking, it's in what you just described, because as a performer, there's the old saying, the show must go on, right? And we have probably all heard stories about performers who have been deathly ill or who have just lost a loved one and the show must go on and they go on and give an amazing performance. And the reason that happens is because when you're performing, you are in the moment, fully present. That's why I love acting, specifically improv. Yeah. I improv see. is my thing. Yeah, on, on your, um, okay, so I have to say I've been wanting to do improv, but I, I have the thinking that I would never be able to do it. And then I saw on your newsfeed that you're doing improv via Zoom. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Um, back in March, it's almost a year ago, right? Um, yeah, it's crazy. I was, with, I was with an improv group that I was still testing the waters with, and they had invited me to play with them months before. And I wasn't quite sure, but I think they had a really nice mission statement. And then when everything shut down, <clears throat> my mind immediately went to, how can we do this? How can we do this if we're not in a live theater? And I, and, and because you know, people like you and me, we've already been working on Zoom prior to all of this shutdown. Um, so I approached the artistic director and I said, I think we can do it on Zoom. And he was such a uh, gloomy guy. He was like, no, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. 
And he carried this on for a couple of weeks to the point where I had to leave. I'm like, if this guy has no vision, I must leave. Because while he was hesitating, I was seeing improv groups from like old friends I'd known back in the day in New York and Los Angeles and Seattle. They were doing it on Zoom and it was really cool. Well, since then, um, I've had a couple of other groups ask me to play and one group, they are amazing. They just like, they, they, they figured it out. So it's not just where you know you, what we call you know the Brady Bunch diagram of of looking at of looking at Zoom squares, right? Yeah, they've got a tech director that's calling the camera shots. Really, just like TV. Yeah, um, and they've also got uh, another person. Uh, there's two people. It's like tech and director anyway we're using tech we're using a director and these people cannot be seen by the public it's all behind the scenes so we we also can look at the chat and we can see what's going on it's still improv because we don't know when the director is going to call our image up okay yeah. we got to jump right in I um <clears throat> So that's thrilling to me. I'm also working with another group. Um, we're gonna do a show at the end of February. I should name these groups. The first one I'm working with is called Ripley Improv. Okay. And I'm gonna do a show with them Sunday afternoon. I think it's called Ladies Who Brunch. Nice. Um, and then on February 27th, I'm gonna do a show with Cold Tofu Improv which is the nation's uh, longest running Asian-based improv company. Um, totally diverse, even though it's Asian-based. Yeah. Uh, in, in cahoots, in, in co-production with a long-standing company called Impro. And the name of the show is called Script Tease. Yeah. And I love it. <laughs> what we're doing is we're reading cold. We've never seen it before the first two pages of a script from a new writer. So it's not like a Tennessee Williams or um, Shakespeare. These are new writers. So it's new to us, it's new to the audience. We're reading the first two pages. And then as improvisers, we're letting those pages go and we're improvising the rest of the play. Okay. We're just taking off with it. And we've been having rehearsals and it's so much fun. So people can just go listen to this? Well, it's, it's visual. So they're watching us, right? So if you went on like uh, the Impro, um, what do you call it? Website. Yeah. They would have upcoming shows. If you went on the Cold Tofu Improv website, which I'm a member of. I'm a member of Cold Tofu Improv. So okay. you're going to see my picture all over there. And they'll have upcoming shows. Okay. And so... And it's usually, uh, same thing with Ripley. They're, they're usually these Twitch links. See, that's what all the kids are using, Twitch. <laughs> and it's interesting because it's like a, a specific feed. First you start with Zoom and then it goes out through Twitch and it provides for interaction with the audience. Okay. Um, it's, it's so above my thinking, but I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I don't have to know how a television works. I can just turn it on. Yeah. 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 yeah it sounds uh, yeah, it's, it's above my thinking too. I have no idea how that is, but I'm definitely going to go take a look. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, the only reason I bring this up is because I want to share and point to the, the genius that we all have access to. And some people, like that other group with the gloomy Gus, yeah. who's like, oh, we can never do it. He has closed off his access to his genius. Yeah. Or these other people are like, oh, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. And we can do this. Yeah. At the end of every one of my YouTube videos, which is under my name, Doreen Calderon, 
I say I have a three-pronged philosophy, and that is quit thinking so much, just show up, and play. Hmm. And I am attracted to those people who embrace that. Yeah. So when you were talking about the, the imposter syndrome, like the imposter syndrome is like literally in the way of all of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I remember I had a conversation because I, I, you know, I don't know if I had the imposter syndrome, but I did tell myself I did. Right. Um, and, and I remember I kind of like, was that like that, that nurse you were talking about where I, um, I, I really, I love, <laughs> I'm a lover, <laughs> you know, and, um, I'm what? Because you're French? Because I'm French, no, just because I'm Jasmine. <laughs> I, I just saw for myself that I, you know, I love people. I meet people, I fall in love with people. I meet animals, I fall in love with animals. I listen to TV, I fall in love with TV. I'm a lover, I'm just, I love. And, um, and the more that I'm into this conversation, I'm seeing that everybody loves. I think that everybody is lovers. And then we have different levels of thinking that hides our love, that protects us from showing that love around. And before I saw this, I had a conversation with someone once and um, I was talking to her and I, I was explaining to her how I was an imposter. I was like literally explaining, listen, yeah, I'm sweet and all, but really I'm a bitch, <laughs> you know? And she was like, hmm? like, she didn't understand. What are you talking about? You know? And I was like, well, whenever I love people, like that's just me being a fake because what I am truly is, is a bitch. And that's what I sh freely show people. I freely show people that I'm a bitch and I know better. And I'm like, you know, I had this the, the frowns constantly in my face and I was strong and hard and you know and as I'm explaining this to her she kind of like looked at me and she says well what if it's the contrary like what if you know the imposter is the bitch and the true one is the love and like it had never occurred to me like never in, in a million years had it come to mind. And I was like, holy shit. I've been hiding yep. a lovely girl because with, with the bitch. So I've been really, I've been hiding the authentic and showing the imposter yeah. and thinking I was, the imposter was this, you know? So I was doing the reverse. And I bursted out laughing. Like, <laughs> so every single time that I've been a bitch, I've actually been showing the imposter to everybody, you know? And that had a major shift in my being because then, you know, when I felt angry, when I felt like a bitch, when I felt superior, when I felt whatever, I was like, yeah, no, that's not me. I don't need to show this one. This one, this this will disappear. The real one is is the one that loves and that, you know, is okay with whatever is. And I think that that's cool. So if you're go 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 for it. Like if you're guiding people to get rid of the imposter syndrome, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different from what my discussion was, but pointing yeah. to what you said, um, I know people who have had uh, the same experience, but with different masks. Yeah. The masks are switched, whereas they will be the good girl. They will be the nice person and constantly extend themselves. But the real person wants to scream out and go, I want to live my life. 
I don't want to be catering to you. Give me time alone. So that's a good thing, I think, for us to look at when we are putting on the mask. Yeah. And, and why? Actually, why? What's the, what's the payoff? What do we think is the payoff? I, I totally am with you, Jasmine, about the, the bitch being one mask. I was so angry when I was younger. And I had the bitch mask on so tightly, I didn't know I had it on. I didn't know I had it on until all of a sudden I get blindsided by somebody saying, well, you're unapproachable. And then I burst into tears. Yeah. One time I was at a very, very, <laughs> one time, there were many times, a very low point in my life. And I remember sitting in my girlfriend's apartment and I was asking for help and that killed me to ask for help because I had this mask of being misindependent, right? Yeah. Little misindependent. Um, and I was crying and she just kept looking at me and looking at me and she said, this is the most attractive I've ever seen you. <laughs> I wanted to punch her in the face. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but it stuck with me. It stuck with me and it's what I know attracts audiences to film, to theater. I'm like, wow, this is what I do. The audience values vulnerability. So much so that we pay money to see it. We carve time out to watch something. And vulnerability isn't always about crying and heartbreak. It's about raw anger. It's about laughing at oneself with comedy, Play, being the fool, watching somebody be the fool. So I understand what she meant. And I come back to that every once in a while. Just recognizing the beauty and vulnerability. Actually, it's powerful. It's extremely powerful. But we can't fake it. And, and we know when we're in it. And we know when we're not. Mm -hmm. Like we have... We just don't know we know. <laughs> I think we, we, we know when it's mirrored in the other person's eyes, when they're seeing what we're feeling and we go, <gasps> That's it. Mm. That, that's why I love, and I'm putting them all into the same category, vulnerability and laughter. I love improv so much when I'm on stage. You see, that's the one thing that Zoom is lacking. I can't hear the laughter. Mm. Um, the best improv is when the funny comes out of the moment, not when we're thinking of a joke when the funny comes out of the moment. And when that happens and the laughter happens, it's this euphoric moment of full-on connection with the audience. Laughter is simply understanding. We all got the joke. Hmm. 
there's a misinterpretation about actors because of the bad press we get. And we know the bad players in the industry who are only after it for fame or money or glory, self-validation, outside validation, all that stupid stuff. But the actor's actor is in it for that connection to a writer, to a full-on production, to the audience, to the scene partner. Hmm. That sounds great. It's very peaceful. It's a very peaceful place to be. Yeah. There's no pressure there. Or I don't feel any pressure there. Absolutely. I was working with a, an actor a couple of weeks ago. She had her very first television audition. And it was like three lines, but she kept flubbing. <clears throat> and I'm like, don't worry, we'll take it, we'll take it. We'll just keep working it. This is all over Zoom, of course. Yeah. And um, she kept ruining it for herself because she kept taking herself out of the moment. She wasn't present in the scene and what her character's function was in the scene. She kept thinking, oh my God, it's my first audition. I've tried really hard to get into this casting office. This is the first time they've called me in. This is my only chance. All of this crap that had nothing to do with the craft. Ooh, I gotta make a new game, crap versus craft. <laughs> <laughs> nice, that is like, it's funny because I'm working with a, a writer right now and she sends me her stories and I'm like, uh, flow, flow, thought, flow, flow, thought. So like, it's literally like it shows up. I think that because we're in this conversation, we like, we're more attuned to, oh, that like, yeah, this, this is right. No, this is wrong. This, like, this was your head. This was your heart, you know, kind of thing. Right, right. And you point to something that I love <clears throat> sharing with people. Like when I was doing this uh, imposter syndrome talk. Um, they want to know how. How do I do this? <clears throat> tell me how to. Yeah. <clears throat> and all I had to tell them was, just like you, Jasmine, were demonstrating. Once we understand the truth of it, all we got to do is notice it. Noticing is what changes habits. Yeah. when you were pointing out what you were noticing in the writing, flow, flow, thought, flow, flow, thinking, flow, flow, whatever. Yeah. It reminded me of that one, that one line in the very first Matrix. And Neo breaks through, he's in that, I don't even know what it was, spaceship and everything's dirty and dingy. And he's watching the one guy reading code on a screen and it's just, ones and zeros, ones and zeros, ones and zeros, just going, going, going. And Neo was looking at him like, what are you looking at? What is that? And the guy's like, yeah, I mean, I can see, I, I don't know the words, but he said he could see full on scenes. He could see homes and food. And he could see whole worlds. Whereas people who don't understand it are only seeing ones and zeros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Doreen, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for accepting my, my invitation. My pleasure. So and at the yeah. end of the show, I usually ask my guests, um, do you, if you had a nugget of wisdom for the uh, listeners, what would you say? 
Well, I would usually end with my three prong philosophy, which I already gave. Yes, but go ahead. They were awesome. All right. Quit thinking so much. Just show up and play. Right. Thank you so much, Doreen. So Doreen, if people want to talk to you, like how would they do it? I am all over the internet. Uh, my company is called The Recognized Actor, uh, where I say, once you recognize yourself, the world recognizes you. Um, I have a Facebook page, which is probably the best way because you can contact me there. You can see my upcoming events and you're going to get a lot of information with, with postings. That's The Recognized Actor on Facebook. Um, and I also have my website, therecognizedactor.com. And uh, my email is on there. People can contact me by email. Um, on my Facebook page and my website, you can also have a free 20 minute consultation. If I've never worked with you before, there's a button for that. You can't miss it. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, and I'm gonna put everything in the description guys. So that way, if you don't, you didn't have time to write it in. You can look at the description and I'll give it to you. So thank you again. And everybody, dream it, dare it, do it, live the life you want. Here is the new segment with my friend Rob and it's called Move the Way You Want, Just Move. Whoop, whoop. And um, so, hi, Rob. Hey. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Happy to be here. Made it to season two. I'm on season two with a segment. <laughs> it's going to be fun. We're having a lot of fun in season Well, it better be. If, if it's not fun, oops, wait, my internet just went down. Oh, click. No oh. way. <laughs> no, if it ain't fine, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I, I oh, okay. oh, can't hear you. Bye, click. Lead me. It ain't like it ain't like the the old days where I got to make up a bunch of excuses to leave the party and got to go talk to everybody. Nope, internet. You, oh, click. Hit the lead button. Yeah. Uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> I just hold myself there for a minute. It's like, and they'd be like, "Rob, you froze." You're like, "Nope, I'm just not having fun. I'm out." You know, and then, yeah, and then you click out and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Send me the recording. Yeah, that's how it works. So I hope we do have fun and I don't have to freeze. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm working on that. Got to work on it really hard. So and of course I said it on the day it's raining and SoCal and my internet might mess up, but it's not. A <laughs> but go ahead. I promise I'm ready. I'm sorry. Go. <laughs> here, here in Quebec, it's a beautiful sunny day. So uh, I, I won't have that excuse here. It's just my computer is very old. That is too funny. <laughs> All right. So Rob, I, I just wanted us, like you and I have been talking for like, while now and yeah. uh, you've um, helped me see things differently when it comes to movement and uh, there are areas in my life where I had completely just stopped looking I just like assumed I was settling with the status quo and how it was and mm -hmm. but you know having chats with you and actually being really honest with what I thought uh, you helped me see things differently and I thought, wow, this is a great conversation to have. And um, I, I want to see more. And I thought other people would want to see more. And yeah. so this is why I asked you to join. Well, so thank you. Thank you. I appreciate being here uh, for that. This, this, there's this thing about, you know, moving and working out and all of this, like, you know, even like, as I'm saying, working out, you see my face starts. Wow. <laughs> yes. These little things. <laughs> you know, and I know there are people that love working out. Like yesterday I was watching a show and this guy said, you know, he's a fan of working out. And I was like, who the hell's a fan of working out? <laughs> yeah, there's a <laughs> few know? of them out there. Yeah. I, and I, you know, it never came to mind that that mm -hmm. was a possibility. I'm not one of them, but there are a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm not one of them. Yeah, I 
thank you for for um, hearing or seeing what I was trying to, to point you to, but I had to come to grips with it myself. I didn't like working out when I was in the profession. So, yeah. you know, so here, here I am um, trying to figure out how to push myself through it and required, so to speak, to be able to lead others. And that was where I had to change it about myself and not making about exercise. Like um, really go back to the basics and realize where was the gap? Because I believe that movement is one of our most natural functions. Hmm. But like you said, when most people talk about it, they do the frown or they're not fans of it. So I wondered what was the gap? You know, how did we get from at one point in time, way back in, I mean, history, history, 700, 800 BC when the Olympic Games started and fitness was almost like a nation's badge of honor. That was your duty to the nation to be wealthy and not wealthy, but healthy because of the way wars were fought. And if you were unhealthy, you wouldn't be able to help fight for the country. So fitness was, was you know, a way of life back then. And, and you come all the way up through the evolution. Even one of our presidents wrote, uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote that, it, this is like, I think like 1700s or something. He wrote, there should be at least two hours of exercise per day, no excuse, and have little regard for the weather. So that's like the 1700s. That's the, I think that's even before our American Direct Liberation of Independence was out. Like, you know, he, he wrote that. Then about, I would say, I think it was early 1900s, a guy wrote a fitness magazine and he started showing people how to work out and he made a million dollars in the early 1900s. Mm, oh boy. Oh yeah. Yes. And from that throughout throughout that time, depression, Great Depression, economy and all that, we get to the 50s of Jack LaLanne. So Jack LaLanne is what who we call in America the godfather of fitness. He, he had a TV show that aired um, all throughout the United States and he would teach people how to work out aerobically and how to lift weights and use the exercise equipment. The show hit for 30 years. He, like for 30 years, people believed that was the way you had to do it. And um, then you go from Jack into the 70s with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger in bodybuilding. He changed the way we lift. And yes, it's on that, that, that chart there, but Arnold Schwarzenegger basically by doing bodybuilding and the film Pumping Iron changed the way everybody looked at working out. And then in the 80s, 17 million copies of VHS. You remember VHS? So you yeah, know how much work it would take to order the VHS, get it in the mail, unwrap it, and go put it in the VCR to sit down and do the workouts. Mm. 17 million copies. So I, I basically say those were the people who shaped how the industry of fitness was marketed. And Jane Fonda, who was beautiful well before she even did any aerobic video, brought fitness and fashion, I mean, brought beauty and fit and fashion to the fitness world. Jack LaLanne was making millions of dollars. Arnold Schwarzenegger was doing movies about working out and being big and being strong. And it became a thing. Mm. And it became about getting bigger muscles and looking the slimmest and being the most fashionable while you do it. And it started creating this gap about what was truly needed to keep your body in a healthy state versus what the people on TV are saying you have to do. And it, it came on through the years. I mean, remember the challenges where you had to feel like ultimate crap to get through it? Like a part of the prerequisite was you got to feel like crap. You got to feel inadequate so we could tell you how to do it. It was like, who wants that? Yeah. Like who wants that type of forced movement? Yeah, and we get caught up. We, we yeah. like, I mean, we get caught up in the whole thing. We were like, okay, well, if I have to do what Arnold does, exactly. Do this, I ain't Screw it. Do why, that, why even know? try? Yeah. And then, you know, Jane Fonda, come on, I'm never going to look like her. Oh. Right. And you don't have to though. That's the, that's the part that most people, because we don't know what else they, they have. We don't know what elements, we don't know internally what's going on to them. All we can see is an outward appearance, right? Even, I talk about this a lot when I speak, when I was most physically fit, meaning when I had the most muscle mass content on my body and the least amount of fat, muscles popping out everywhere, 
I was the unhealthiest I'd ever been in my life. I, I couldn't mentally work myself through anything. Yeah. Like physically, I looked good and people would, you know, oh, he's healthy because I could yeah. go to a gym and work out. No, I wasn't. You know, I couldn't communicate emotionally. I couldn't, I couldn't function spiritually. I, I, I wasn't healthy by any means. Yeah. So that's when I started really realizing how warped our, our sense of understanding of total health and true health has, has, has been now with, with things like that happening with, you know, um, fitness models who don't eat properly that we've patterned our lives after looking like, like I got some friends that I know put themselves through the ringer to look the way that they look more power to them. You know, I'm not knocking it, but dang, for somebody who just wants to be the best accountant they could be, <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, we kind of look to the, you know, like there's this thing where, you know, it's said that you have to suffer, you have to suffer to for it to be worthy. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, that, that's a horrible belief, but yes, I understand yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like okay, well, I'm not sweating enough, I'm not hurting enough, I'm not, you know, like there was there's all these preconceptions. I know that. You know, I've looked in this direction before. Like if I look into my younger years, I have looked into these, this direction before. And, uh, you know, I would, I remember in the 80s, I, in early 90s, I would do aerobics. You mm-hmm. know, I, I would do the aerobics thing. And I, I like doing the aerobics. I did the step for a while. You know, mm-hmm. like the, I went to go to dance class and I did the step stuff. And I remember one class, one teacher said, you know, I was doing my thing and the teacher's like, like took me aside and says, are you okay? And I'm like, what do you mean? Am I okay? Like, uh, what are you talking about? She says, yeah. you are so red. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I get red. This is what I do. So if yeah. I do, you know, have, make effort or have some effort, <laughs> I become really red. And if I do a lot of effort, I do a lot of red, you know? Yeah. But the more that I I've seen looking, a lot of red too, just so you know, I've seen yeah, a lot of red. Okay. I, know, I, know. I get I get red. I'm not so I, I'm better at it, but I still blush. I blush when I'm happy, I'm blush when I'm mad. I'm uh, blush when I work hard, I blush when I'm you know, like just shy. So that's what I do. Yeah, I'm a red girl. Um, but um the more that I looked into the direction of of you know, that's so funny that we're talking about the red thing because I've been trying to hide the red thing. Oh, you cannot do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Please, been, you cannot hide that. <laughs> I've been, but that's hilarious. Like I'm just seeing it that I've been trying to hide the red thing. Like I don't want people to see that I get red. And, um, and, and so whenever I did exercise, I would get red. Hmm. another good excuse not to exercise Um, but the the point that uh, I want us to talk about is there's a difference between exercise and moving absolutely right Mm -hmm. so can like can you like just speak to that a little bit for me about moving because and you know like I'm I'm moving more just because I've had these conversations with you uh, so the, the, the way I can best explain it is um, movement is natural. Exercise is unnatural. It's a supplement. So if you think about nutrition, if you have a very um, nutri- um, nutritionally dense diet where your body is getting all of the six basic nutrients, then there would not really be a need for you to take many supplements because your body would be getting everything from the way you eat. Well, the same is with movement. If you can create enough movement in your lifestyle, what do I mean? Um, Getting out for walks, um, not parking so close to the convenience store, taking a flight of stairs, um, standing up from your computer desk every now and then, getting down, getting up off the floor, just creating different times to move, then you will necessarily not have to go do exercise, which is artificial movement. So basically what you're trying to do is back in the lack of movement by going to the gym. So my lifestyle, I don't move enough. So I got to go to the gym to supplement it. But if you can get out on a hike, if you can ride your bike with your wife, your spouse, if you could roll around on the floor for an hour with the kids, you are by definition moving, burning calories, 
going through um, strength or resistance type movements, holding the kids up in the air, squatting, playing, getting up, getting down. And your cardio, your heart rate is getting up. That's that's exercise. Yeah. Right. So it's it's if you can get more movement in your life for your lifestyle. Right. All you want to do is be efficient and effective with your 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 duties and responsibilities in your job. You want to be able to do that without being fatigued, um, as well as in your personal relationships. You want to have time for your friends and your family and your loved ones um, and for yourself. So if you can get enough movement where all those components are true in your life, it's, we're good. Okay. Like it's, it's not about moving enough to get to a quantity number of weight because those aren't, those aren't connected, right? Like um, if I'm 300 pounds then people will say, oh my God, 300 pounds. Well, what if I'm only 8% body fat? Then that 300 pounds doesn't look like 300 pounds with 50% body fat. So the quantity of the number again is, it's fair weather in a sense. It's the quality of the, how that, that quant, how that number is made up. So if you just think, I just want to increase my muscle mass and lower my fat mass, then that's by cardio activity. That's by doing some resistance. Well, good. I can do that with bringing my groceries in. Mm. I could do that by, by taking um, a few cans or moving. I bet that plant behind you is at least 15, 20 pounds. Take that plant across the room, put it down, pick it back up, take it back across the room, put it down. Like, I'm pretty sure that you'll be tired after that, just like we did the get up off the floor exercise. Yeah. Right? Like, yep. that is movement. And at first it felt crazy. You even said it. But yeah. after a while, you was ready because <laughs> you was moving, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that, that was fantastic. Thank you, Rob. So you're coming back, right? In the future. Absolutely, I'm coming back. All right, guys. I hope that this just got you to look at things differently and it's sparking some inspiration. And uh, stay tuned because Rob will be back. Thank you, Rob. Boom. Oh.